Kurt Alper, the two on the brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his monthly appearance. It's one of his monthly appearances. He's a senior editor at Fangraphs.com and a beautiful, vulnerable angel, Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan's the guest. It isn't among life's top horrors like famine or plague. However, it is one probably relevant to anyone who would listen to this program. The problem of being a man and then attempting to make friends with another man is it's difficult and embarrassing. And Jeff Sullivan has done it. Apropos of little, I asked Jeff how a man can make a friend. And it does seem to be a fraught process. I'm guessing it's not for everyone. At the same time, loneliness is very unhealthy. Anyway, this is merely one of the whimsical topics we address. Mostly what we find here is two idiots attempting to amuse each other. We also find in another moment uh, the guest Jeff Sullivan commenting on a colleague's children. This is the offspring of Matthew Corey, his twins. I like his children as much as I think I can like any uh, seven-year-old. I like one of them a little more than the other one, but we don't have to say which. Delightful admission that. We'll get to that conversation momentarily. But first, I'm contractually obligated to mention the sponsor, the sponsor's draft and the draft app. If you have listened once to the program in the last six months, you're aware of Draft. It is a daily fantasy sports game, not unlike DraftKings or FanDuel. How is it different? It is the first such daily fantasy sports game designed exclusively for mobile devices. Do you have a mobile device? And do you have an interest in daily fantasy sports games? Then allow yourself to wallow in your good fortune. Here's how you acquire it. If you have a device with the iOS operating system, go to the App Store. If you have a device contrary-wise with the Android operating system, go to Google Play or something like Google Play. Here's what will happen. You will download it. You will register. You will then propose a game with either a friend or internet stranger, anyone who is already part of the draft universe. You'll pick your sport, perhaps NBA basketball or NHL hockey. That's the time of year for these sorts of things. You'll conduct a snake draft, each selecting five players. Those players accrue fantasy points. Whoever accrues the fantasy points, whoever's players accrue the most fantasy points, that is the winner. He, she, or it is the winner. Do you regard yourself as a bit of an emotional daredevil? Draft allows you to wager real American currency. And most relevant uh, to everything I'm saying here, when you download and play Draft, somehow, by means only known to CEO and founder David Appleman, somehow that helps Fangraphs Audio. So if you are not perpetually offended by the program and even would like to benefit it in some way, consider downloading and using Draft. It's an app. It's the Draft app. Okay. That marks the end of the sponsor's message. Let us move post-haste to a conversation with Jeff Sullivan. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Sweetheart, Jeff Sullivan. And when does it begin? Right now. about that, Jeff. Yeah, in retrospect, I should have taken the opportunity to have lunch. Isn't it 2.50? It is. It is 2.50. I, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and eat this. Uh, you got a sandwich? I'm just going to, it's kind of a, let's go with a deconstructed sandwich at the moment. Oh. Yeah, I haven't put it together, but uh, I'm just going to chew. The old, so, uh, you can, do they call you that a big for, Derrida? Is that what a deconstructed sandwich is? They call that a big Derrida? I think they call it pepperoni slices. You just got pepperoni slices? At the moment, no. Hmm. All right. Well, is it rude to ch- You know, I'm just going to chew. Yeah. Don't no. worry about it. 
Don't worry about it. Yeah, you uh, cover the next 20 seconds or so? Yeah, yeah, I want to say that uh, um, my dad, at some point after uh, he and my mother got divorced, bought a multifamily property in Concord, New Hampshire, <laughs> and uh, um, there is a basketball hoop. Uh, that came with the property in the in the driveway, which was in back of the house, and I used to ball hard out there. Yeah, yeah, I used to ball real hard, and sometimes I would ball past my capacities. Oh, you ball too hard. My, yeah, I would ball too hard. Is oh. what it would happen. I would exceed my capacities. I would find myself. Um, I would find myself in a state of of have, of low blood sugar. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I remember distinctly one time. I think it was like it's kind of the first time it ever happened to me. I went inside and I was dizzy, you know, and I said, I need uh, some manner of sucker. I need sucker, stat. <laughs> and uh-huh. I found that I just found a like a plastic container of pepperoni slices and yeah. I hammered through it in a way with I would hammer with reckless abandon. Yeah, but they're uh, it's all it's it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's like a, it's a, it's a handy, you know, it's funny. My girlfriend had just asked me the other day, like, who of the people that you know, not necessarily friends, but you know, they can also count as acquaintances yeah. or colleagues. Who do you think, you know, who, who balls the hardest? And I was like, you know, it's, it's gotta be Carson's. It's gotta be. <laughs> yeah. But did I told actually, her, did she ask that I told question? her, it's like, you know, I should amend that. I think Carson's still is the one who used to ball the hardest, but yeah. I think that he's matured. Yeah. And, 90, uh, if, if anyone's familiar with Concord, New Hampshire, 90 Broadway, my dad, uh, my dad was in a uh, he was in a state of financial woe because he'd been his coffers had been emptied by the divorce, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, I know you don't have a dad, Jeff, so some of this may not ring true with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he uh, he died in a in a crash. <laughs> yeah, he uh, just burned to death. <laughs> Oh, life is terrible. Yeah, just oh, in somebody's w- somebody's yard. It's so- front yard. Yeah, that right under the elm tree in Glenvish, Illinois. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your dad was uh was divorced. Yeah, coffers empty and uh, about a two family, about a um, yeah, about a two family on ninety Broadway in Concord, New Hampshire. If anyone's ever been there, and um, still owns it. Uh, he when he bought it. First of all, it was covered in a couple of things. One thing it was covered in was <laughs> asbestos. It was, it was, uh, there was a firm, there was a strong coat of asbestos, which uh-huh. somehow he removed himself, which I don't think is legal. Oh uh, yeah, you can chew it out of the walls. <laughs> and then another thing it was, uh, uh, this, this, now I always say I don't want to, uh, I don't want to go to court over this. So this might be legend. Because this is this is my like eleven year old memory reciting this. To the best of my knowledge, however, before my dad, the owner of the house was a state policeman, and the house was painted in the exact shade of green that New Hampshire's state police cars were painted in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had he had taken the paint. That he, that, I don't know, to which he had access, or maybe he was he was able to buy it at some discount, and he painted an entire house with it. And it's also, um, it's also very similar. It's also very similar to vomit. This color. So there you go. And then I remember my dad painstakingly removing the the car paint from the house. And the asbestos. 
Yeah, and the asbestos. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, you might have seen the other day on the internet, it was on the Reddit part of the internet, uh, someone, someone posted a, uh, a thread for comments, and I believe the original title was something, uh, to the effect of tenant theft? Problem with tenant theft? Problem with tenant and theft? Tenant theft. And yeah, so you had a, uh, a property owner, a landlord, I guess you could say, who's renting out the property, had a small, uh, I would say a fairly minor conflict with a tenant of, of the unit that was being rented. This is a house that was being rented, not an apartment. And so the uh, the an tenant entire house, an question, entire house. It was renting an entire house. Yeah. To a tenant, and uh, a permanent house. It's like a permanent structure house. And so there was a dispute over. I think it was something to the effect of uh, a failing air conditioner unit. All right. And so the tenant theft in question <laughs> is that when uh, when the property owner sent a contractor to the property to fix the AC unit. Contractor's like, yeah, no, yeah, I think you gave me the wrong address. And then the guy's like, no, I gave you the right address. And then uh, a few days later, the the property owner went with the contractor just to make sure that the contractors were going to the right place. <laughs> and what he found is that what had been stolen was the house. The house had been stolen <laughs> because you see, the tenant's father owns a building moving company. Uh huh. And somehow they <laughs> moved the house. <laughs> they stole a house. They stole a house. So it might have been the uh, the Reddit thread headline understatement of the century. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but also would you, it was not would you, wrong. Would you restate it just so we can? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I don't really know how you would put that in tenant in, theft problem. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, at its uh, core. That seems illegal to me. Is that illegal? <laughs> that was that was uh, sort of the essence of the threat. <laughs> you would assume. This uh, this would be a crime. A crime was committed. A crime of no small magnitude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to my knowledge, I didn't read the entire thread. But to my knowledge, they haven't yet actually located the house. <laughs> and I would say, and then the neighbors, they asked the neighbors. The neighbors like, oh yeah, no, the house just left. Well, and I would say, by definition, like premeditated, right? It's not. It's not a crime <laughs> of passion stealing a house. Right. I think. I don't know how much work goes into moving. A property, but I assume it's more. It's not like an impulse action. It's not like you you buy a Mounds candy bar yeah. when you're checking out of the grocery store. It's like that you have good. to yeah, have at least I don't good. know, like three hours maybe of working on at least three hours. I don't know of like putting things into things and over things and under things and being like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna yeah, well you also do, you have to disconnect. I assume that it has city. This is what do you know what town it was in? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, well I mean I assume. You know, baseline, like if there's city water and <laughs> it, whatever the heating, um, you know, situation is, there's going to be an oil tank somewhere or a propane tank. Uh, natural gas is somehow making its way to the property. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. No, I guess not anymore. Oh, let's, let's go back. I guess that. I'm imagining it happening in Portland. And, and so maybe that's part of, uh, <laughs> partially. Flat. You don't think it was in Portland, do you? I, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, stole a house. Stole it. I mean, that's a good gig if you can get it. He's it really is. Sounds really illegal to me. Got a house. <laughs> yeah. But I guess you don't really think to put a tracking device like in your home. Well, I mean, you, it seems as though you might almost accidentally have a tracking device in your home. Something must be able to be tracked. That's no? true, although depending on what the tenant, I mean, so you figure he has the tenant's records and they can track him down. Like, he's not going to get away with this, but... I, I mean, maybe they'll find him somewhere where the house isn't. 
Maybe he'll just like dump the house in the in the desert and bury it like he do with bodies. I'm uh, curious about the the thrilling conclusion to this story. Now, are you sure this is not the third season of Serial you're describing? <laughs> hosted it by would... Sarah Koenig, one of Time's 100 Most Influential People. I don't have a response to that. All right, fair enough. Um, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Okay. How, uh, how do you make friends with people? And I, I, mean, I what? Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I, I relate to one of the reasons that, uh, the podcast didn't get started immediately. Our recording didn't get started immediately is because my wife, two of her friends came over. They're going out to, I think one of the, one of her friends is, it's her birthday. Her, she had a birthday recently. They're going to go out and get a drink together. Uh-huh. And not, and not only like, are they going out? For like a like a nice what seems like a pleasant evening together, where they're gonna you know they'll share stories of their various troubles, and, and not just troubles but also the good times you know and they'll share these stories with each other. Yeah. And they also yeah, they shared gifts with each other seemingly apropos of nothing. What my wife uh, handed out gifts. She said happy spring break. That's how she that's how she handed out <laughs> gifts. Just gifts for spring break. They just were th- to celebrate they, friendship. Yeah, they were thinking when we were in Florida, uh, my wife and I were in Florida a couple of weeks ago. She got some shells off the beach for uh, for the, the other her her two friends, and uh, she she said, "I even remember being with her. She said, I'm going to give these shells to my friends." And I said, uh-huh. oh, "I thought, well, that's just, that doesn't seem like anything to me, is what I thought at the time." <laughs> but then I thought I saw I just saw her uh, give those shells to her friends, and they were they were touched. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought uh, there's no one to whom I would do that, but I wouldn't well, okay, mind doing. Okay, but you were it. asking, yeah, you were asking, how do you make friends? And what you actually have to do to initiate is you have to give somebody shells. So <laughs> I think that's the problem you've gotten yourself into. You just need to approach strangers and those most amenable to being handed shells in the street. The shells are, are a big uh, part friendly, of it, huh? On the candidates, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Hey, that, I didn't realize that shells were right right in the middle of uh, everything there. Yeah, I think the what about people, puka, there's, a, puka there's shells. an expression. No, nobody, don't ever give puka shells. Puka shell necklaces. No, no, that makes you enemies. That's how you get an enemy. That's, that's what I give my friends. I give puka shell. You know, one time uh, my mom went to, I don't know where she went, to maybe somewhere in the Caribbean or something. She came home with, uh, it wasn't a puka shell necklace. had a lot of little, uh, I don't know, it wasn't puka, or maybe a small puka, whatever. And uh, she gave it to me, but I knew that for the first time I knew I was getting hair Oh no, maybe it was on the back of my neck. It would pinch the hair on my back of my neck, so I didn't uh-huh. care for that necklace. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's important uh, right. to well, my hey, hair. Hey, Jeff. Ink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what were you gonna say? It's hard. Uh, it's hard to make friends as an adult person, yeah. especially as an adult person who works in the home mm-hmm. and who who works in I don't know maybe a smaller setting such as yourself. But it's uh, it, it really is a little like dating people you don't want to have sex with. Yeah, which really. It reduces the incentive to become close, doesn't it? Very, very strongly. Which yeah, I and I'm not saying. Problem. Yeah, I'm just saying because I think humans are basically programmed to have sex so that we can make other humans. That's all. The only reason we're really here. Well, I think what my friends know is I actually do secretly want to have sex with all of them, but I uh, think <laughs> I didn't. I didn't make that clear. Uh, <laughs> well, you, I don't know how you go about doing. It. Is there a card for that at at the CVS or uh, wait? What do you have there, Dwayne Reed? Bartles, Bart, Bartels, Bartels. What's your, what's the one over there? 
What's the one in the Northwest? We got we got some Rite Aid. I'm Dwayne not in the Reed? Northwest anymore. I I've never heard of a Dwayne Reed or a Bartles. Bartels. Bartels don't have Bartels. You got Rite Aid. Got Walgreens. Uh, I think we have CVS. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> do a main accent accidentally. All right. Uh, I remember. So uh, the only way I've been able to really make like actual friends in Portland as an adult person is by finding like a shared activity and going to do that. And so that's, that's how I got into rock climbing. And then you just meet right. people through rock climbing. Yeah, but Bartell that, Drugs. Like Bartell Drugs is in Seattle. I'm not. Okay. Uh, I'm not I a, believe you, but I don't care. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so you. So what you do is you find an activity. There's an activity, and 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 more than one of you. Uh, would like to participate in it. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then you're like, hey, do you guys want to do that activity again? Well, so I actually started rock climbing through meetup.com, which I went on to thinking, like, you, maybe this makes me a loser, but I was already online dating at that point, so I thought, well, I work on the Internet, I date on the Internet, I might as well try to make friends on the Internet. Yeah. And uh, and thankfully, it seems like a lot of meetups are kind of terrible, but the rock climbing one worked out really well, and so I've made a good... Did you, were you like, had you already been rock climbing? No, uh, not regularly at all so i didn't really know that much about what i was doing but it, it was fun because there's a there were at that point a lot of people who also didn't know much about what they were doing but it's a good it's a physical activity so mm-hmm. it's not just like sitting around get eating and drinking which granted is fun but it's a uh, it's exercise good endorphins it's active so it's and you can drink you can go out and eat and drink after you rock climb that's yeah fun, which that's is fine, yeah right? that's what we do every right. every week and uh and then and I think this part is critical. If you're like talking to someone, but then you just don't want to keep talking to that person, you can just be like, well, I'm going to go climb. And then you just <laughs> get on the wall, and then that's the end of it. So you have this very convenient out to uh, to stop any weird conversation or just to maybe, you know, slow things down. But I know – so you you presumably know the importance of having like couple friends when you're in a couple. Yeah. Like it's, that's critical. But then there's always – I feel like in with every couple friend, you have a danger where it's like uh, – I can't name names in this particular situation, but I feel like I feel like, like Dave it, and Amy. Well, I feel like over fifty percent of our couple friends, there's definitely one member of the couple whom we both prefer easily. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you you generally don't meet a couple at the same time. Yeah. So you go in like, hey, I know, I Her know. Name's I- Amy is the one we prefer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we that we should just form a club of that, and then you can make friends through That's the club point. of people who prefer Amy over Dave. That's a good point. It'd be a big, big club. It's a big ass club. Yeah. A big ass club. Where where's your hyphen there? Where's your hyphen? Well, it's probably a big ass, big hyphen ass club, and it might also be a big ass club because they live in in North Carolina <laughs> and where people strong for Amy. Hush puppies everywhere. They're fantastic. They're good though. Um, yeah. so. So so yeah, couple friends, couple friends. Couple, yeah, so I remember when uh, I met a guy who uh, who I like, you know, yeah. a guy I like through climbing, mm-hmm. and uh, and my girlfriend met him and was like, yeah, we're all friends because my girlfriend was climbing at that point, and then he was like, oh, you should you should meet me, my wife, because he was married. My wife. So, right. so wait, did you were you already doing? So here's a question: Were you already doing Meetup.com? Did you you were you you and your girlfriend had already met? Uh, yeah, I, I met her uh, actually about a month before. No, I started. I was climbing first, but it was almost the same time. Okay, all right, all right. Do you think that if you had met her much earlier, do you think you would have been as inclined to participate in a Meetup.com event? Uh, less inclined, but I know that when I first moved up here with a different uh, woman, I, when I was working from home, uh, it, it was just difficult to meet 
anyone, and yeah. I I realized upon the break the end of that relationship that it was important to try to develop a community because it's uh, important for the soul and for knowing for being able to say words out loud because like my girlfriend is just on vacation by herself for two weeks and so I was at home alone and mm. didn't have many opportunities to speak uh, which uh, it's important to have friends if only for your own speech practice <laughs> it's an easy thing to forget how to do yeah I, I, I think I, I, I think I, there were a couple days where the only words I said was when I was checking out at like the Safeway across the street Thanks. <laughs> How are you? Oh, okay. All right. Or yeah. like, uh, or going to see Matthew Corey. That was good. He's he's uh, like a, a short walk away, so he's a very he's a very delightful. He's a short guy. walk away, but he's a tall drink of water. I mean, he's he's like a a moderate drink of water, medium sized drink of water. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he's listening to this right now. How huh, Matthew Corey? So so you so you you had been dating your current girlfriend. But not for particular, not for a particularly long time, and she was out of town. And so you said, "I'm going to now enter the world of Meetup.com. Meetup, <laughs> Meepop. You went to Meepop.com. Yeah, Meatball.com. I wonder, <laughs> that's, that's where it all started. Problem. That's where it all started. There's no, you're not going to get better climbing friends than by going to Meatball.com. Right? You want to meet and have a ball, like mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, so and, I, yeah, and, uh, she was actually just out of town uh, recently, but this is any early. So I met her around the same time I started climbing. Okay. So, uh, but then she started to climb after some time, and then we were doing that for a while, and I made a friend to that, and then the friend is married, and so we were like, wait, wait, oh. wait, 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 I still have another question before we get into this couple's oh, thing. yeah, yeah, go. Your okay. first encounter with meetup.com, your first climbing event, did you go by yourself? Yeah, I went always uh for a while I was going by myself and then I, and and you know, how I, awkward was it it wasn't that bad so the first time I ever used meetup was actually just to like go to a bar and then see a movie and the movie was sleepwalk with me which was a good movie oh, yeah, right. uh, and I liked it but also like going to a movie is not a good social activity and uh also I did not particularly care for that meetup but I thought the rock climbing would be a good idea and so I went on my own and it wasn't Super awkward because I think the group was kind of new at that point, so most people were kind of new, and it was a very friendly, friendly group. I think rock climbers are selective for uh, a certain sort of person. With, did uh, did any part interests. of you feel feel lame during the process? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. The part of me that went to meetup.com and <laughs> the profile. There's no way around it. It's not the, what you would prefer to be doing, but making real life friends like out in the world is hard. I don't know how people do it. That's, so exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. I yeah. don't. I really don't. And I'll be honest. Like, right? Like my wife and I, we live on, we live on a boarding school campus, and there are people all around, and I still don't know how to engage people. It's. I mean, I see them around. I like having acquaintances. I like. I yeah. like having acquaintances probably more than I like having close friends. I just like walking around and be like, "Hey, Tim," and that's Tim. I saw right. Tim. Tim and I talked. We exchanged pleasantries. We maybe shared a joke or two, and that was it. And I love. I love that. I think that's great. But in terms of a bosom friend, I don't think I've made a. Like a, like a real <laughs> male friend <laughs> for at least, I mean, at least a decade. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. and, and I don't, I just don't know how to do it. 
Well, I guess I got lucky because I think Matthew Corey is a wonderful friend. He seems great. He seems mind, really but great. I only know him. He's, yeah, he's wonderful, and it's just a coincidence he lives like a five-minute walk away from where I live now. But I wouldn't even know that or know him if it weren't for a podcast I did with him and some other people like four or five years ago. So that was just now, a, here's a question. Uh, and this, this again, this is not to uh, this, this is uh, does not represent an affront on Matthew Corey himself. Do you think hmm. it's harder to be friends with him because he has children? It. Uh, Do you, I feel. I feel like. I feel like once you have children, you're, you're more likely to associate with with other people who have children, especially children uh-huh. of the same age. That way, the children uh, can more or less entertain each other, um, while while you and the other adults socialize. Um, contrary wise, if you do not have children, it's easier to associate with people who don't have children because you're all equally clueless, uh-huh. and you're, um, you're equally. Even if you're not prone to making bad decisions, you can make them without endangering the life of, of another person. Uh, well, I, I like his children as much as I think I can like any uh, seven-year-olds. I like one of them a little more than the other one, but we don't have to say which. And uh, there's the one I don't like as much as the one who, who punched me in the balls repeatedly. And, uh, <laughs> that's but, fair. I think that's fair. It's like There is a time. Uh, my girlfriend and I went over there. We were going to take the kids and and the Matthew Corey to go look at some uh, Christmas lights around Peacock Lane, which is an event uh, in in December Love in Peacock Portland. Lane. Yeah, big Peacock, Peacock Lane. guy. Big big Christmas lights on display. And so we were we were walking over to the house, so then we could walk over to Peacock Lane. And so I go into the living room, and I'm saying hello. And then one of the kids just I haven't even seen the kid yet. He was in another room. I just got in. The kid comes almost running in my direction from another room. Just makes a beeline straight for my balls and mm-hmm. just just fist right to the nuts just wow. without any warning just like direct shot he couldn't have done that just pounded direct. your nads huh yeah just right in the net and i don't even think he necessarily realized what he was doing but it was a direct i almost respected him for it <laughs> because it just there was no he didn't he didn't exhibit any signs of anxiety he was not uh, wringing his hands over this decision uh, he was living purely in the moment. Is is that why? Do you think? I think, even though I know this wasn't his thought process, I think for me, I respected him because I could imagine him having the thought process, thinking like, "This is the one time in my life I can do this to someone pretty much free of any consequence." Because mm-hmm. I can't actually get mad at him. He's still too young. I can't do anything. But what I'm actually doing, and he doesn't know this yet, but I'm waiting another eleven years until he's eighteen, and I'm going to get him back. <laughs> when when if he were to, uh, if he were to attempt to see revenge on you then he would be uh, subject to the laws of the majority i basically just don't want to touch a minor in the balls <laughs> i feel like that gets into a legal gray area and if i said it was no, 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 i don't he was seven i don't think that's the gray area actually i think it, <laughs> I, I think it's that's, pretty clear what it is that's a very black that's a very black area yeah yeah uh, yeah I don't so, know. I don't know if I would like it more or less if not for the kids. But uh, he, I think, he draws pretty good boundaries. And so when we're hanging out, his kids are either around or they're not. But uh, he's not. He doesn't just like sit there and talk about his damn kids all the time. No, no. Like, I, yeah, I wasn't like suggesting that. Yeah, yeah, I was not casting aspersions on Matthew Corey at all. Far be it from me to do it. Uh-huh. As far as far from me as you can imagine. Far be <laughs> it. Yeah. Be it yeah, from like, me. The average citizen of Miami is, I think, about as far as you can get from Carson Sestouli. No. What do you mean? In terms of... Just like general... No, San Diego. 
Well, yeah, okay, yeah, you're going for location, you. but I'm, 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 I'm thinking of like type, personality opposite. You think you think the people of Miami are the most different? I mean, I guess there could be like wolves. <laughs> wolves don't count. You're calling think. Latino people wolves? Is that what I hear you saying? You're saying Latino people yeah. are like wolves. Either either you're not following, or maybe I'm not quite following my own train of thought. <laughs> but that is not what I was intending to go that's for. A, I, that's fine. I, well, I just wouldn't necessarily say that the people of Miami are much different. Than, I mean, uh-huh. are, are, are clearly different than I am. That wouldn't have been my first inclination. First of all, they're all probably Catholic, or a lot of them are probably Catholic. I'm Catholic. Yeah. They're probably from, a, from a country that speaks, uh, in many cases, they're from a country that speaks... A romance language. My family's from a country that speaks romance language. Are you more Sacco or more Vanzetti, Jeff Sullivan? You more of a Sacco guy or more of a Vanzetti guy? You know, I uh, I labor over this every night before I go to bed. And then my <laughs> girlfriend and I have this conversation. It's like, am I more Sacco or am I more the other thing that he said? And she's like, just shut up. I want to go to sleep. And I'm like, look, you brought it up. And then she's like, well, no, I didn't. And yeah. then we just fight over that. And then I end up downstairs. Oh, life is a, life is a carnival of misery, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so, tar- so a couple <laughs> friends. Kind of like a carnival. <laughs> just like a carnival is a carnival of misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think couple, kids make uh, Matthew Corey more more open and willing to uh, to drinking beer with me, which is yeah. one of our favorite activities. So actually, in that way, it's a it's a definite plus. Right, right. To sort of remove him briefly from from life's cares. Yeah, actually, uh, last Friday the, the way things worked out, so he uh, he went running, and I had just finished my chat, and he had a, a little bit of an accident where he was jogging, Poop and then a car. Uh, maybe I should go that way, but he w- wouldn't appreciate it. He uh, he nearly got hit by a car when he was running because the car came out of a blind corner and he mm. didn't see it. And what actually happened is that the car didn't hit him, but he fell anyway because he was startled and he. I don't I don't want to embarrass him, but he he arrived on the ground rather quickly, uh, knee first, and he was hurt. And then I I went over. He called me and I went over to pick him up and take him home and. Oh no! He was really hurt. Uh yeah, thankfully nothing nothing too bad no. No breaks or anything in the knee. But he was hurt the day of, bleeding all over the place a little bit. And then uh, I went over to hang out and help out a little bit and get some lunch. And did then the driver stop? The d- driver did stop because I think the driver didn't quite understand what had happened. But after he assessed the situation, then I, uh, he must have left. Uh, the driver wasn't there when you showed up. He was not. Do you feel uh, like the then, driver was at fault? I don't I wasn't He's there. and I, I would, It's difficult to know. How a car could sneak up on you until I think you're actually running around and maybe listening to music or just kind of zoning out and then you're at a street corner and then sometimes you don't quite hear a car the way that you think you might with all these damn hybrids all over the place. They just don't make noise. Quiet. Anyway, it got to be like 2 o'clock and then it was time for him to pick up his kids and I was going to volunteer to go do it for them until I kind of – I didn't think of it much, but I guess you can't just show up at a school and take somebody's two children Frowned upon uh, typically, with you. Yeah, 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 without any sort of. Well, really, you can't. You just can't do that. Uh, and so then we went to. What if you have a note? I feel. I feel like a note, would not suffice. I feel yeah. like I could write the note myself. Yeah. To go into a school and take kids. Which, I don't know, maybe it should be fine, because how many people are going to go into a school and like actually want to take kids? If anything, you just don't want to show up and, and never go get your kids, is what I assume it's like to have kids <laughs> in school. My dad used to, um, after the divorce, Jeff, 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, he uh, he was living with his parents for a little bit, and he would come. He would drive up to Concord, New Hampshire, at Broken Ground School, uh, where I attended elementary elementary school, where I <laughs> where I completed my elementary studies. Uh-huh. And uh, he picked me up by the flagpole, but because he was coming from Massachusetts, and also because he kind of ran late a lot, he uh-huh. uh, he was late a lot. So frequently, I would be the last person there, <laughs> just sadly sitting by the flagpole. My dad covered in asbestos would show up. <laughs> just give you one of them asbestos hugs. It was yeah. so popular in the eighties. So popular in the eighties. Yeah. All right. So, couple friends. Couple friends. Well, yeah. I don't know how much more there was, but uh, when. When my girlfriend oh, and I, more. oh, there is met, more. When we uh, realized, okay, we like this guy, and we've met his wife, and we like his wife, we could really, and we also love that they also don't want kids. They are very firmly in the no children camp, mm-hmm. and to those, like, if you see eye to eye on that, you gotta hold on tight. But we were still like, okay, we want to be friends, but we needed. It was it was like two people trying to date two people at once. It was uh, it was a little delicate, and so it was just kind of like feel things out and then we would have conversations about like are we are we in are we making progress we do, yeah. what can we do we shouldn't no don't go over the top don't do anything too weird but we gotta we gotta get in there mm-hmm. and thankfully it's all it's all come together now we have a good couple of friends but it was certainly just that same sort of like nervousness at first thinking like oh i i want to make a good impression even though like I, we're not looking to sleep with them probably but it's just you want to make sure that uh that you don't do anything wrong because Especially when you have a friend candidate as an adult. It's not like when you're 18 and at school thinking like, I can make a million friends. Like, no. It's either them or we have no one and we die alone. Yeah, right. Well, you're going to die alone, yeah. You know who who would have been a bad couple friends? You know who would have been bad couple friends? Yeah, Dave and Amy. We keep going over this. No, no, I was going to say Sacco and Vanzetti. (laughs) Because they are kind of how they were were executed. Uh, They were found guilty for uh, armed robbery at the Slater Immortal Shoe Company. In South Braintree, Massachusetts, and then they were uh, executed by the, levit- the electric chair. That's not good, you know. Regardless uh-huh. of whether you're more Sacco or you're more Vanzetti, they definitely both died in the electric chair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it's hard to see your friends go like that. I guess yeah, you can you can deliberate your entire life whether you're more Sacco or more Vanzetti, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you're going to die in a chair. Yeah. So really, are we all so different? Yeah, you could go other ways too. Go lying down, I guess. Probably, probably lying down, lying down, and mm-hmm. probably the best way. If you're standing up or walking or running when you die, that probably means uh, either well, either you almost had a Matthew Corey sort of incident, right, <laughs> where you were surprised. And I'm glad, I'm glad he came away unscathed in the most important ways. Um. But if you're standing when you die, that means it's that if you're standing when you die, it was almost certainly unexpected. And I'm not saying that an unexpected death is the is in every case the worst sort, but generally you like to say goodbye to some people or at least you like to make it to an age where it's like, yeah. I mean, we knew it. <laughs> we knew it was going to happen. What do you consider that age, Jeff? Age for you where it's like a- after which you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Well, so let's see. The day after Christmas, my my one grandparent who's still going turned 94. Okay, and yeah. She's she's still like with it, but you know, you have you have slightly different conversations 
tones with a 94-year-old grandmother than you do with like a 84. Okay, so it's different in a couple ways. But it was like, you know, when we when we said goodbye and I left after Christmas, it was like, okay, this this hug is a little different than usual. Not because she's in failing health, but because she's 94, so she's in failing health. So yeah, but <laughs> it's you know probably around around 90. You start to think, yeah, like yeah, any day. 90 is the age you think you're not. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay. There, I mean, statistically, I think, right? Like, if you make it to 70, your chances of making it to 80 are actually pretty decent, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've already made it to 70. Uh-huh. Uh, th- there must be diminishing returns at some point, though, because... No, I think, actually, you get stronger every decade. <laughs> like, if you make it to 110, you're sure you making it to 120. And then do if you, you make do it you get to along with his base- grandma pretty well? No, uh, we, we feud. You <laughs> Is it like a Game of Thrones situation with you guys? So bitch is always like, let's play Scrabble. It's like we've been playing goddamn Scrabble for my entire life. Yeah. Branch out. But no, actually, she emails. It's great. How about, what's, the, what's the racism factor like there? None. Really? I was, yeah, I was surprised. Wow. I I'll, I never really got to have like a racist oh, older relative. So I'm just kind of holding out for maybe a racist younger relative because that would throw me for a loop. That's a good point. Do you, uh, uh, do you want – does your grandmother want to be on the podcast? Would you Do you want to host an edition of Fangraphs Audio and interview your grandmother? I don't really want to put her in a situation where she's doing anything different or unusual because I never know when her heart is going to be a little too stressed. Okay. All right. I don't, I'm, I'm not, don't want to end listen, up – I'm not demanding it. I'm just saying that um, almost uniformly people who are above 90 – and also uh, relatively sharp. I find basically every sentence that comes out of their mouth fascinating. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, you you saw cars be made. <laughs> like, that's great. That's great. I guess I would be interested in a hypothetical where I tell her that I'm going to talk to her on the phone, but then it's not me and it's you. And then, because she would be too polite to hang up. So okay, she, would just, right. she would just be there. Where does she live? Uh, in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Okay, all right. Where, where, where did, where did she like? Where was she born? Where did she grow up? Uh, so she, her sister lives in Taunton, Massachusetts. Oh, Taunton. With a, yeah, with the last name of Scovarto, Scorto. Uh, so they hail from that area. Uh, very Polish. But okay. uh, she, she and and my late granddad, they lived in this house in Los Angeles that is of a very Particular style, I think it's a very 1950s style of house, and uh, it was it was uh, noticed by two separate, uh, I guess, film crews. So one, their house was used in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and that's less interesting. But it Robert was there. Robert Stack is dead. <laughs> so was so was my grandfather, and <laughs> so then uh, a little after that, they were approached by a different film crew, and they're like, "Hey, we love your house. We would like to put it." And we would like to use it as a setting for a movie, and we'll we'll put you up in a hotel, and we'll like renovate some things. We'll make your pool look better, and all this oh, stuff. Cool. That's great. And like we'll we'll make it worth your while. But we want to shoot a film here, and they're like, okay, or however they answered, maybe not quite like that. And then they have the, they they have the t- voices of exuberant children's television program hosts. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, the way ninety-year-olds talk. Yeah. And then. Uh, so they were told the movie that was going to be filmed was All American Girl, which I guess was maybe like a sitcom or something uh, some years ago. It was just like a harmless All American Girl. 
they're going to make a film version of the sitcom or something. And so the movie that was actually made in their house was called Live Nude Girls, mm. which it was not uh, a little to my chagrin. It was not a pornographic film, but it was a film titled uh, yeah, that Live familiar, Nude Girls, yeah. uh, and it had Dana Delaney. And it had uh, Kim Cattrall, Kim Cattrall, oh, yeah, Kim, yeah, sure, whatever. Sure, 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 yeah. sure, 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 sure. And uh, they you were change the title least. and the implications of of that film pretty quickly. If instead of live nude girls, you call it living nude girls, because <laughs> you say as a as a potential viewer, you say, "What was there any question that they were living?" <laughs> That's because it seems like you're really making a distinction here between these living nude girls and maybe some other girls who were less alive. Yeah. Do I? What, I mean, what am I getting into here? Is the FBI going to find out that I rented this? No, they won't. Nude girls who once lived. Who once lived. It's catchy. Does this guy know how to title? <laughs> title a movie or what? Naked active women. <laughs> Ambulatory. So yeah. Sentient they, uh, beings, comma. <laughs> sans clothes. <sighs> so they didn't let me watch the movie for a while because I was too young. Yeah. But uh I but did, did they? I did. Did, did they watch it? Uh, they must have watched it. I believe they did not care for it. And granted, based on my understanding of the film, many people did not care for it. I did not <laughs> think that it was a success. Uh, but I did have the opportunity to watch it once I was a little older, and it was eminently forgettable because I actually don't remember much about it. I'm sure there was some nudity in it, so the title wasn't an entire yeah, lie, but it wasn't it. it wasn't the uh, the lesbian pornography that I was led to believe by my own teenage what do you call it here? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Guess what I get? Uh, God, like what? 12%? What's the bad 30, 38%. Yeah, 38%. 38%. Yeah. And the audience score, do you want to guess that? Uh, worse? 40% similar, yeah. Wow. So the audience score, I thought would reflect some sense of disappointment that it's not what you would think live nude girls would be. Yeah. I don't. I can't guarantee that, that that's what people are uh, worried about. Or not. I feel like maybe like the Netflix score would be worse because that's more of an impulsive decision. If yeah, you were to watch I'll check. It. I'll check after we're done here. Yeah. After we're done, I'll check out uh, what people what people's main grief was. Yeah. So if you want to see what my grandparents' house looks like with Kim Cattrall in it, go ahead and watch Live Nude Girls. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. Do, wait. Do, have we gotten to the bottom of your couple friends issue? I don't think there was too much more of it. Just the it was. So which one the, of the which one you met the guy first? Is that right? Yeah, we met we met the guy Dan first, and then do you we like met the, Kelly. Do you like the cup? It sounds like you you kind of like them relatively equally, seeing as you're willing to yeah, say actually, their names and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, love them both. Uh, they're at church now listening to this. But Dan is a a medical physicist, which is a job that I never knew existed, but it sounds amazing. Sounds like you needed no fewer than one degree to. Yeah, he has like a master's in physics and he passed some boards or something and I think the jerk the specifics of his job are maybe less He sounds healthy. Is he really healthy? Well, <laughs> not currently because he's the one who tore his ACL in the trampoline gym in December. <laughs> Wait, before or after your warning? No, no, you went you went with him. We went with them. Yeah, yeah. both. So, yeah, she had had 
double or multiple hip surgery, major hip surgery, two years in a row, and then she's like, let's go to the trampoline gym, and then Dan tours his ACL. But he's finally having a surgery next Thursday, and then next Friday I get to go over and Dan sit. So Can that he... means I get to. Oh, that's go... nice. That shows. See, that's a real. That's a real. Uh, 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 what's it? Expression, or I think um, that's evidence of intimacy. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you, they say, "Hey, will you come over and take care of Dan? He's going to have surgery, and you know, of course, he doesn't want you don't want him to be alone." <clears throat> and you're the, you're going to go over. It's it's a, it's not really a concession on your part because, in a sense, the the fact that you've been asked to do this or that you volunteered to do this and they've accepted the your invitation to help shows on both parts that there's a l- level of intimacy. And uh, a trust present there, and I think that's great. Yeah, I get to conduct my Friday fangraft strap from somebody else's living room, but it'll be good. Is he going to be highly medicated? You know, I really don't know. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, he'll, you know, some. I don't know how alert he'll be, but is he? No, wait. Given his uh, bona fides, is he going to be conduct? Is he going to be performing his own surgery? You know, I asked about that. Yeah, I I gave him some obsidian, being like, if you if you break this, then it'll be sharp enough that you could work your own blade. But uh, I think that he's no, he's not he's not going to do that. He thought about it, but he's not going to do that. Mostly because you need to harvest uh, material from somewhere else. Yeah, that's the problem. The The harvest is the problem. Yeah. Now (laughs) it's uh, a delightful word for when you're basically taking something from a dead body most of the time. To now, uh, you said Dan and Kelly. Is that right? Which one's more Sacco? Which one's more Vanzetti? Well, so I think when I look at them, I think you're equally likely to die in an electric chair. But then I guess it doesn't really <laughs> get me very far. I think like maybe Kelly's got more of the smart mouth that would take her to prison, but Dan's just like a horrible dude. So like that would take him to prison. Yeah. Yeah, I would go probably Dan's more Sacco. Michael Dukakis. I want you to know Michael Dukakis didn't pardon them because that would imply guilt. He did not discuss guilt or not, but he did suggest. Um, when he was governor of Massachusetts, that um, such a grievous oversight in terms of um, uh, justice, a grievous oversight of justice, will never take place in that state again. What's going on with you, Carson? I'm just concerned about it. Do you do you want to know? Do you want to know the actual truth? Yeah. I uh, I have a family member and or friend and or acquaintance, um, who. Uh, believes, and this this is true of more families than just mine, but who is not, who is swayed by the idea. Um, I I'm embarrassed that I'm be, I'm embarrassed to be saying what I'm saying because <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to enter into the conversation anymore. But who is uh, not entirely opposed to this idea of uh, Muslims having to register in the United States. <laughs> and uh, this person is also Italian. Uh-huh. And he's and a so, Trump vote. And so uh, what, I did, what I did was a little bit of reading today to, um, to perhaps – I did not bring it to this person's attention um, – but I was thinking for myself, I was trying to... You remember how people are full of contradictions, Jeff Sullivan, like we were discussing at the beginning of this conversation? Yeah, I think so, because I know at the start of our conversation, I was like, I'm more Sacco, and then I was like, I'm more Vanzetti. And yeah, it's like, right. yeah, this is totally what Carson's talking about. It's ubiquitous, yeah. yeah. And uh, 
Um, I was trying to bring up to this person that the fact that the way that certain people feel about Muslims now is almost identical to the way that certain people felt about Italians 100 years ago, 120 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I don't think I'm ever going to bring this case against (laughs) or to the person uh, who feels this way. But I, I was just uh, – it made me curious. I was also looking at a – I was also looking on Zillow.com. And I, actually, this is even more embarrassing. <laughs> I was looking at Zillow.com at a house in Saco, Maine. <laughs> and, and then the, the – <laughs> the phonemic relationship. Uh, uh, <laughs> caused me to think of Saco and Benzetti. And I was like, and I literally said in my head, I said, I said, not out loud because I was by myself, but I said in my head, I said, whatever happened to those guys? <laughs> well, they died in the electric chair, I learned. And uh, Michael Takakis was not happy about it. Luckily, or fortunately for Salvin Vincetti, it was like 60 years after the fact that I didn't help him out too much. I think maybe the... Uh, Let's go with irony. Maybe the irony of yeah, sure. the people who who want Muslims to have to register is what would probably be safer and better for all of us is for the people who want Muslims to have to register mm. to have to register, Definitely. and then and then the Muslims don't. Mm. So like, if you if you're in support of needing like a Muslim database, then you actually yourself should be entered into a database About to be more closely <laughs> monitored because you're probably a, a greater threat to the global community. Yeah. So yeah, I told you I was uh, I was uh, loath to to politicize it, but I actually it's even, the more embarrassing part I will restate is that I, it was all jarred loose this this line of inquiry by the fact that I was looking at a home in Saco, Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, just a, I guess any any sort of like actions that you retrace, you realize they probably came from a dumb. A dumb genesis. Dumb, dumb genesis is actually the original name of a band started by Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. Dumb genesis. Yeah. I feel like maybe we'd stand out if we removed. So uh, I guess it's kind of like if you reflect on any meaningful moment or experience in your life that you yeah. can always trace it back to some stupid trivial event that it had it gone another way, then you wouldn't have uh, been able to experience the event. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you met Callie, but probably. Was I not supposed to say her name? Yeah, you know, what son has done. Uh, you probably had some, some chance event that, uh, that led up to your fortuitous we, meeting. We or, met in a, uh, we met in a computer lab at the University of Montana. Yeah, and just think, if, uh, if you never, wait, at Montana? Yeah, that's where we both got our degrees from. I did not know that. Yeah. How did you like Montana? Uh, I, oh. Shut up. <laughs> I like I liked it in uh, uh, I liked parts of it. I liked how cheap it was. That was that was my favorite mm-hmm. thing about it. Um, and I, I think I like I gained residency really quickly because uh, uh, I I had left another school and then I showed up there and I first went my first like year there I think maybe I went full time but then I started going half time and gained residency and so it was, it was really cheap and I think I rented a place for two twenty five a month when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not like. I felt quite isolated, which is the same way I felt anywhere I lived in the West. 
Um, I felt isolated everywhere because you know those cities. Once you leave them, you're in, you're not anywhere. Whereas yeah, in which I think is it's kind of a, a selling point of Montana. But if it's uh, if it's something that gnaws at you, yeah, then it, you it, might it, remain in. Yeah, it made me anxious for some reason. I don't know. I just used I like I like leaving one town and then by virtue of leaving one town, finding myself in another town. Uh huh. Like being in towns constantly. Yeah. No, I'm the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, you're also born on the West Coast. Was I? I think so. Well, but does it count if you're born in San Diego, California, where you never get out of a town? I don't. Well, how do you not get out of a town? Just drive in any direction. It's just developments everywhere. Yeah, but the, well, that's a different kind of sadness. Developments, I guess. Yeah, those aren't real towns, though, are they? Are there, do people live in those now, or or like how? But to what degree was San Diego affected by the housing crisis? Yeah, you're asking me questions I wasn't paying attention to because I lived in the house where I grew up. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Like when you I'm drive gonna, past, I'm not going to lie to you. When you drive past those developments in the outskirts of San Diego, like, do yeah. it seem like they're all occupied? All the all the properties. Well, so you know Miramar. The base in San Diego, the famous military base. Miramar is a color, or it's a country in Africa. Miramar. Miramar, yeah. Like mm. Sea View, in English. Mia, Miramar. Myanmar. No, not Myanmar. Miramar. It's this a is Tibetan, Spanish, but it's, it's also a, a base. Tibetan, it's they speak Tibetan and uh, it's Burma. It's also called Burma. Myanmar is what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I know when uh, when I I was in Vegas in Utah a few months ago, and when when uh, we were driving around the outskirts outskirts of Vegas, uh, you it's just developing as much as it can in every direction because there's not a whole lot of natural boundaries, and you just see these giant developments that are out there that I think they're presumably just building before there's demand for them. Because Wait, but they're still no, they cannot. They're not still doing it. I thought it, I think those are like I think those are like ten years old. And they're empty, right? No? I, I honestly don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people moving to the area because property is so cheap. So they just keep building and building and building. But I've never really been – I've never been to a place that ends as abruptly as like the Phoenix area or the Vegas area because I guess it, it has to because just things don't just trail off. But they're just like a – there's there's a development and then there's an in and out and a gas station and then there's just desert and it just ends right there I'm, and I'm so accustomed to like mountains forming a boundary or water or or whatever other things are permanent fire but instead it's just like, <laughs> yeah no just like just it ends it's like that is the end of the city right there for yeah. now and in six months there's going to be new foundations and and new developments but it's it would be odd to live across the street like I live in Vegas and I live across from Nothing. The end from the end of yeah. everything. I, stare at the abyss. Yeah, I had a similar experience in Fort Stockton, Texas. Mm-hmm. I stayed there one time in Fort Stockton. Uh, I stayed at a like a hotel slash hostel on like the edge of town, and that if you just walk ten minutes east of where I was, it's just you end up you're in the desert. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was it. Ta-da. It, didn't, it would have been great if there was a sign that just said that. Ta-da! You're and in the end. Fiend. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that's how it was though. Um, 
There was a bar across the street, and and uh, I, I don't know. There's something. This that was that was fine, but I would not want to. I would never want to live in a place like that. Have you watched Better Call Saul? No, I haven't. But I'm not. I would like to announce that I'm not opposed to watching it. Okay. Never mind. That's good. That's the way that should have gone. <laughs> no, is it good? So what, is it good? Would you suggest? Yeah, that? I I was hesitant to watch it because I I thought you know if you're going to do a spinoff from Breaking Bad, you're not going to be able to do any better. So I just don't really want to give it the time of day. But yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, I thought, well, I mean, it's here. It's only like ten or twelve episodes, and it's the same. It's similar, same producer, I think, and the writing should be good. So why not give it a shot? And yeah. it's it's perfectly entertaining. It's not nearly as stressful and grim as Breaking Bad, which is a uh, which is nice. Yeah. So where I stayed was the Comanche Motel. Just to, just to give you a heads up, mm-hmm. it was right across from the Good Times Lounge. Yeah. In uh, Fort Stockton, that is. What were you doing in Fort Stockton? I was going on a trip. Um, I was living in Seattle at the time. I took I took a train to Los Angeles and purchased a month long Greyhound ticket, Greyhound pass, thirty day Greyhound pass. Mm-hmm. And my first stop was well, I went Los Angeles to Phoenix, I guess. Phoenix to Bisbee, Arizona, uh-huh. and then uh, I went to Fort Stockton, which is in the west West Texas. I just wish that I could go like one day without having a conversation about Bisbee, Arizona. It's just like I don't know why this keeps haunting me. <laughs> the uh, now Bisbee is interesting. I think at one point. Well, at one point it was like the third wealthiest town west of the Mississippi because there was uh, copper maybe, copper, gold, gold, copper, copper and gold, <laughs> diamonds and pearls. It was the setting of a Prince video is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> and uh, but uh, and then, you know, it was so small and, you know, and they mined it out. And, but then I think in the 60s, 70s, like a bunch of hippies settled there. And it is quite beautiful because it is topographically interesting. Oh, wait. What, what happens if you – are you near your computer? Yeah. I guess by definition you are. If you if you Google search – if you do an image search for Bisbee, Arizona. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do that. Do it right now. That will give you an idea. There's a couple – I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Bisbee. This Red Rock. Red Rock is what you see there. Red Rock Mountains. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look pretty. There's a, and yeah. there's like a lot of like uh there's like stairs everywhere. There's stairs everywhere up and down the, those Red Rock Mountains. Which well, town looks like it's the town where people have died? I um well yeah yeah and actually uh, when I was there I saw a real <laughs> um and I, I I'm only recounting this from the like the 21 year old version of myself but I saw a real Mexican person. <laughs> there's a, there's more in the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming in over the mountain because if you look at where uh, if you look at where Bisbee, Arizona is on the map, you'll notice it's very close to Mexico. And uh, yeah, it was just a person who was like, I mean, he didn't say it in English, but he was like, yeah, I was just in Mexico, <laughs> and now I'm not. Uh, I, I gathered that he was not there on like a tourist visa or something. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, that's not something that happens as much if you live in New Hampshire. Very few people <laughs> you know, coming you know, in over the have, You know, just have Canadians being like, yeah, I was just in Canada. But I heard you, the 
grass is greener here and also covered with gold. You could stay in uh, – well, I, I'll do it in the form of a quiz just to add drama to it. How long do you think you could stay in Canada without a visa? Uh, if you I don't know. Three months? Six months. And I don't I, I don't say I don't know how much if anyone has any information about this, I would love to know it. To what degree does the government check up on you? <laughs> Are you still trying to pitch moving to Montreal? Yeah, no one's really um I will I will I will say thanks to those listeners who have responded to me and said, Here's how you do it. But they're always it's always like they're never like, Let me do it for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so and that's that's really what I'm asking for. I would like <laughs> what I'm really – the thing for which I'm really looking is somebody to be like, here's a job for your wife. You, now you live in Montreal. That's the best. Montreal is a great city, by the way. It is one of the great cities. I like it. I like it probably three or four times more than Paris. Uh-huh. It's a, I would say unilaterally it's a better city than Paris. Uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a great city. I, I don't you know why, think that why is not everyone talking about Montreal all the time? It's a great city because I, I think the people in Montreal talk about it enough for everyone. Do they really? I don't hear. I don't. I don't catch wind of Montreal chatter. I think it's a great city. It's fantastic. Oh, I can drink water too. Listen to this. Oh, that is not Check water. This out. Oh, you're not drink, drinking water. No, oh. I'm drinking. Uh, I find vintage of Boda Box's Pinot Grigio. So uh, if if and when, uh, you know, Fangraphs ends or you get laid off or something, yeah. then what... Wait, wait, let me ask you a question. So I don't... I'm less scared than I used to be about being laid off for a couple of reasons, but mostly because I realized that if you're laid off, at least you can collect unemployment for a while, right? Yeah. huh Okay, so and how long does unemployment last? What's my max? Uh, I I've never been on it, but isn't it like a year? Could be a year, or was that just in terms of emergency? Three to six months, floor we'll say, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, that's that's fine. If it if FanGraphs just ends, are we still able to collect unemployment in that case? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. What happens uh, so, when a company stops being a company? And what happens if if what happens if one of us were to catch wind of the imminent end, and we were to no no if we quit we don't get the unemployment though right? And if you get fired, yeah, I don't think you get the no. If you get either. fired, you get unemployment. No, no, only if it's not if there's a reason for it. I believe. Oh, okay, all right. But if you're laid off, that's what you need to be is laid off. Right. Okay. Like yeah. oh, we don't have room for you at the end. <laughs> You're like, yeah. why, why are you talking about this company like it's an inn? It's not an inn. It's yeah, an if inn. anything, it's just like a house that people squat in from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. All it's right, like so an inn we, that, that doesn't collect revenue. So what were you going to say? Yeah. What were you going to say? So, when, so if and when. When Fangraphs dismisses you, yeah. uh, you know, when yeah. when you no longer work at Fangraphs, do you have a – how much would you say that you have a, a plan and how much would you say that – you intend to just ask Twitter for a job. <laughs> I don't know. I I guess – so I will say that I spend every day – I spend most days nervous 
to varying degrees, uh, beginning from when I wake up till when I go to bed, except less when I go to bed because I usually start drinking around. Well, it depends. Uh, but I become less nervous as the day goes on. Mm-hmm. I become even cavalier by the end of the day. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, certainly at the beginning of the day, I'm very nervous about getting fired. Uh-huh. And do I have a plan? I suppose no. I know I don't have a plan. I would hope to be laid off so that I could collect unemployment. Also, I find some measure of uh, consolation in Dane Perry's career path <laughs> because he has worked for and been fired by a number of uh, like baseball blogging entities. Uh-huh. And I figure <clears throat> if that. I figure I could at least imitate uh, – like I've spent, what, six, seven years now at the same one. Mm-hmm. So I, I, haven't, I haven't burned nearly as many bridges as he has. Right. Um, so Is it, and your, your intention would be to continue to do what you do? Uh, I actually don't think – the job that I have now, I don't think that I'm best suited for this job. I think I would actually be better at general blogging where – my technical skills were not <laughs> were not as reco- were not um, or my lack thereof were not as uh, taxed. Did you see what I'm saying? Where I like put up a home run of a bat or like a like a gif of a bat flip, <laughs> and everyone's like, "All right, he put up a gif of a bat flip. Good job. Good day. Good day of work, Carson." <laughs> um, I imagine. So I imagine you because you have a little bit more. You have more obvious skills, I think, than I do. Uh, I think maybe. well, your ability to craft a narrative in a short amount of time, I think, is desirable, right? I think that's good. I think that's fine. I'm not saying like you're eminently employable in every industry, every field. I think you get another one of these jobs, though, right? Where are the other jobs, however? Well, like that's a this. good question. That's a good question. What happens to people from? And I'm saying this with, um, by the way, with absolute naivety. Um, because I did not read a lot about and have not commented on at all about uh, what uh, the circumstances that unfolded at Grantland. Yeah. Yeah, but I certainly know uh, definitely by reputation, and in some cases <coughs> by like actual human contact, uh, <laughs> some of the people who were affected by that. But like, what what was the outcome of that? Did those people get jobs other places? Uh, so Jonah has a. F- few things going on like Jonah's I, I tell you zero percent worried about Jonah's ability to drum up business he's good at, <laughs> he's good at what he does he's yeah, good at what yeah. he does he's, he knows how to get Jonah out there well he's, uh, enthousi- ben- he's enthusiastic he and people I think um, catch on to that and they say look at he's enthusiastic what he does he's got a number of skills I, I Jonah Jonah no one needs to worry about Jonah maybe Jonah's worried about Jonah but I don't think it I don't think he, he needs to be. I think he's doing Yeah, he's doing I don't think Jonah's worried about Jonah no more. Uh, ben <laughs> is still under contract with ESPN, so he's been doing a little bit of writing for 538, but I don't ben know. Ben Lindbergh. Ben Lindbergh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be permanent or if he's just playing out his contract. He hasn't written that much that I've noticed, but every so often. Is he still getting paid? And, yeah, he's, he's still under he that contract. He lives in New York. He needs to get paid. Yeah, he, he needs to get he needs to get hit the big bucks, and he's got the book coming out with Sam. That I think that is, by the way, the coolest project. The the actual process of writing a book sounds abysmal. Never yeah. want to do it myself. 
uh, uh, um, the, the being put in charge, I was a little bit, I'll be honest. I was just, I mean, I'm not that much, just like 90 to 95% hurt that they didn't reach out <laughs> and say, Hey, Carson, we know, uh, how excited you are about French prospects. This is, this is your bailiwick. I'm, su- I'm surprised I didn't receive an email. I'm hurt maybe a little bit. I didn't receive an email. Subject heading. This is your bailiwick. Dot, dot, dot. And then an invitation to be uh, the third participant in their book. You know? Uh-huh. I mean, I haven't brought, I haven't brought up with them. Uh, has it been, listen, has it been the subject of most of my sessions with my therapist? Uh-huh. Can't comment upon that. Yeah. I'm just saying it would have been nice to be invited and also receive a monthly check for it. I wonder, so this is uh, probably the baseball book that I'm most interested in reading. I expect it's going to be written well. It's going to be something a little different. It's going to, I think it should have a certain amount of, not mass appeal, but like more yeah. than just nerd And by appeal. the way, Sam Miller, I have a correspondent with him much later. I, that, he is one of the best guys, right? I I think. Yeah. I think I'd love to be friends with him. But it's I, probably I just great. Don't know how to how you become well, friends with someone. That's the point. Maybe that's maybe it's that direct. Maybe you just have to be like, "Hello, I would like to be your friend." Sam, and then I would maybe that's just enough of a clue. Sam, I would like to be your friend. I gotta be honest with you. I don't think Sam is listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. You should have led, maybe, or maybe put it as part of the the tweet when you tweet out the podcast. Sam, go to hey Sam, go to minute sixty-eight. <laughs> I want to be your friend, Sam. I want to actually, be with I don't, you. I don't think Sam's on Twitter this year, so maybe he wouldn't see that anyway. Is he still the yeah, boss? Yeah, he hasn't of, tweeted. Is he still the boss of Baseball Prospectus too? Uh, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. Do they man. still do a nightly podcast? Seems like it. Ugh, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and a book, and running, and editing a site. It's like, God, just die already. Oh yeah, Sam Miller hasn't hasn't. Uh, it appears as though he has not. Uh, Done any sort of tweeting since the very end of 2015. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you stay abreast of like what's going on, but maybe you just don't need to. Or I guess maybe I you think just you're fine. It. I think you're fine. I mean, and for all we know, he could still be using Twitter, but just not tweeting from it. Yeah. I mean, what do we what do we know? Yeah. 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 What do we know? But yeah, did you? What did you? I mean, what? How many did you? Were you invited to? To what? Oh, collaborate you, on the book? Yeah, yeah. Were you invited to do that? No, I'm pretty sure that was a Ben and Sam project. But I think now Grant Brisby and I want to write a a book basically driven 110 percent by uh, jealousy of their book. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what uh, we would title our book. Can you become be a- the GMs of of another team in the whatever the Pecos Bill League or whatever <laughs> it's called? <laughs> just just have a rival team. Just yeah. race them to the conclusion of the that book. That is a by the way, that's a great sequel to that book. Is other two nerds and if hey listen Jeff, if you need to, if you want to invite me into the project, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll consider it. You know what I'm saying? Um. Um. Yeah. And if I know th- anything about how much niche appeal books make in terms of revenue, I know that it's mm-hmm. always better to split three ways instead of two ways mm-hmm. because there's so much money involved. You yeah. don't even know. You can't spend it all. So you think, I, just, I might as well 
share this with a third person Seriously, because people otherwise saying. I'm just going to die with all this money. I don't think it was the Pecos Bill League. I don't know what team it was. What were they, the Stompers? Yeah. What league is that? Uh, Sonoma uh, Stompers Pacific Association. I believe it's a league with four teams in it. Yeah. So which team Which team will you uh, – you can choose from uh, – let's see. So you can't have the Sonoma Stompers, but you can have the Pittsburgh Diamonds in Pittsburgh, California. You can have the San Rafael Pacifics in San Rafael, or you can have the Vallejo Admirals. Do you have a preference? I think the Stompers. I think we could uh, ask to take over the Stompers <laughs> and be like, we're going to do this one better. No, no, no. You can't do that at all. Because yeah, there have no. got to be players who are still under contract from their previous tenure, from their tenure. You can't do that. Here's what we should have done. As soon as they, they said what they are going to do for the project, Grant and I should have been like, okay, we're going to take over Vallejo, and we're going to race you to this book. Mm-hmm. And whoever finishes first is going to do better, because that's going to be the first book. And whoever comes second is going to look like a copycat. Yeah. It's, going to be like, it's going to be like when there was Armageddon and Deep Impact. And we're going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get quicker. We're going to be Armageddon and you're going to be stupid deep impact that nobody cares about. Which one is, probably better more which one accurate. is Christian Slater in? Uh, well, I don't, I don't remember him in Armageddon. Which one is Dougie Duggan? Dougie. Dougie Fresh? Which one is Dougie Fresh star in? Uh. Is Gina Davis in one of the movies? God, I don't, I don't remember. Deep Impact had young people in it, and I think Morgan Freeman was the president. Yeah. And uh, Armageddon had Ben Affleck and. Liv oh yeah, Pye. Armageddon was big. Bruce, Bruce Willis? Willis, Steve Buscemi, and Michael Clark Duncan. Oh. He's a dead person. No, is he? Yeah. I never got to say goodbye. Oh, he At what age do you? Yeah, he's a he's a oh yeah oh, he's, he's a dead a, person. He's an extremely dead person. At what age do you start just like saying your goodbyes to people just on the off chance it's the last time that you're going to talk oh, to him? No, Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, he did not. That did not work out well, did it? Uh, that's. Uh, I just found that out right now. I'm sorry. That's tough. Wow. I'm having to go through that right now. Wait, he was married to Oma Rosa. Serious? Yeah. That's what it says. That would explain why she's the first person people also searched for. Hmm. That's that's amazing. These are some amazing things we're learning. All right. Uh, What else did you want to say? What else were you saying, Jeff Sullivan? Uh, I was. I mean, now if I have a sandwich, it's going to be like basically dinner. Here's a question: Do you care about college baseball at all? Uh, no, is there I'm is there a world lie. in which you could care about? It? Yeah, a world in which it's my job to care about it, but it's okay. currently it's currently not. I not. I get interested every so often in maybe doing a little, little bit more research, and I know it's kind of a almost an untapped market. But I just I can't bring myself to care too much about collegiate sports. Really? In any uh, capacity? Yeah. I I don't know. It's hard. It's because for me, it's like you're. Even though it's a highly competitive sport, 
it's just I can't bring myself to really care that passionately about a sport that's not the highest level of the sport. Yeah, what about the fact that oh, if you're watching a college game, certain of those players will be in the major someday? Yeah, I don't get excited too much about watching the minor leagues either. You don't? Well, no, and I don't either, actually. But because the, the minor leagues don't have fans. No one's really – I mean, the, people go to the games, but it's hard to be like a big Eugene Emeralds fan, right? Because you're like, these guys uh, – there's no there's no really reason to form an allegiance because the win-loss records don't matter. And that's different. And, and – and, uh, I mean, certainly college f- football maybe, – I mean, maybe you don't care for, for collegiate sports at all, and, I, and that's fine. I think, you know, but obviously collegiate sports have many fans. Collegiate football has many fans. Collegiate mm-hmm. collegiate basketball has many fans. And, and those, people watch it on its own terms, right? Yeah, yeah, no, nothing against them. I, there was a time where I cared about college hockey, but I don't anymore, and I don't know. It's just not for me. I don't really have time for other sports. Yeah. You, what about pro hockey? You still well, yeah, the I Ottawa love, Senators? I love the Ottawa Senators, but... Uh, what's going on with I, them these days? <laughs> they suck is what's going on with them. Hmm. They're a bad, bad hockey team. And do you know why they suck, or do you, have you? Uh... <clears throat> oh, uh, so there's an interesting thing. You might be peripherally aware of the the hockey analytics movement. There's people are starting to take numbers to hockey. Sure, of course, I know some and, of these uh, people. Yeah, and one of the uh, the most basic but fundamental realizations is like the importance of shot count and. Out shooting your opponent. It doesn't matter if the shots go in or if they don't go in or if they're blocked or if they're not blocked. It's just a matter of if you are attempting more shots over the long haul, you are presumably a, a better hockey team. You should win more games. Because uh, save, so you're save percentage uh, kind of uh, evens out after a while, yeah? Yeah. So, I mean, people will argue things like shot quality should matter, but it's just it seems like shot quality actually evens out. It regresses very strongly to the mean. Right. So what's going on with the Ottawa Senators is that their shots for are getting completely dominated by their <laughs> shots against. And even though the, the record isn't like terrible, they're not currently in the playoff picture. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. And they're not they're like a team that tried to outplay its Pythagorean record for a while, but then it's like, oh no, we are regressing to our Pythagorean record. And good players are hurt and it's it's not What's their Corsi? Do they have a good Corsi? I don't know. What would be a terrible Corsi? What about their Fenwick? Also probably terrible. Yeah. They have a, they have a player. His name is Eric Carlson. He's probably like one of the best players in hockey. Easily the best defender. And uh, so they have... He's kind of like their Felix Hernandez, where he's like clearly dominant, one of the best players in the sport. But the, you have to think that when he's not on the field or on the rink, he kind of goes and he looks around and he's like, what happened here? Like, am I in, <laughs> am I in prison? <laughs> How... How am I not in a better circumstance? I think I've earned this. Am I being punished by God? So that's kind of Eric Carlson's situation. And, uh, but the, the Ottawa Senators are coached by a man whose name is Dave Cameron, uh, which Ooh. is delightful. Yeah. Uh, he was once an assistant coach. And, and people don't, uh, care for him right now. The Ottawa fans, they're kind of passionate about not liking Dave Cameron because of whatever reasons. And then, I don't know, it's hard to explain this in a rational way. But he looks like just enough like my stepdad, who I like, and he even has like the same glasses that he wears. That when people get mad at Dave Cameron, I feel in my heart like they're being mad at my stepdad, and then it makes me feel bad. Like it actually, there's some sort of emotional pain 
to people being critical of this coach, who I like almost exclusively because he reminds a little bit of my stepdad. So it, it puts me in a weird psychological situation where I just want him to win, uh, or I could just, I guess, start to hate my stepdad. Yeah. Who's Paul McLean? Paul McLean is the coach who preceded current coach Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron was an assistant to Paul McLean. Paul McLean had a mustache. Yeah, got a little bit uh, of a Wilford Brimley going on. mustache, yeah. There was a fan who would appear at Ottawa Senators games, and he had a seats. He had seats directly behind the Ottawa Senators bench, and that fan looked identical to Paul McLean, and so that was a situation that went viral when you would have Paul McLean standing in front of Paul McLean. I mean, everyone's laughing, I assume. Yeah, yeah, just there, it's hysterical. Dude, was it this fan? Is that actually what he looked like, or did he happen to? What do you think he was uh, emphasizing? Whatever features he might have. Yeah, the latter. Uh, but it worked too great. Oh my God! Fact, he looks exactly like him. Exactly, it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's not just like oh celebrity comparison. Like no, they're freaking identical. No, they're they're really the same. In <laughs> fact, in some cases, this other fan looks more like Paul McLean. <laughs> like if you look at if I look at one picture of Paul McLean, right? Yeah. And then you show me. This second image, which shows both Paul McLean and his doppelganger, his doppelganger actually looks more like Paul McLean from the previous image you just showed me. That's a that's a true fact I'm sharing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are these are reasons that the average American might have at some point become uh, temporarily aware of the Ottawa Senators. They once had a coach, who or they once had a fan who looked like their coach. Uh, they once had a player dating Hillary Duff at the same time they had a player dating Carrie Underwood uh, and they play in the capital of Canada which is something that people forget Ottawa is because uh, there are other cities that are in other ways relevant yeah. which Ottawa is not yeah that's a good point good point alright we're done cool thanks Jeff thank you I uh, hope that you it, it should be I don't know. With with your wife gone, what are you doing for dinner? Oh, she's coming. You're on your own. She's oh, coming okay. back. Good because I feel like you would end up chewing the walls. Yeah, but I do have to feed my dog. She's gonna be very excited about it. I know your dog was trying to get a, your attention about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, but she, yeah, sometimes she's a little bit premature with feeding time. But we try and no. keep it right around seven Eastern. Well, then you're uh, you're a little bit late. You yeah, well, ten- not not before seven Eastern. Hey. Hey, it's been a pleasure. I like talking to you, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, well, let me thank you. Also, I already did that. I say, and then, well, why don't you stick around for a second? But in the meantime, I'll say, that has been Jeff Sullivan, a senior editor at Fangraphs.com. Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. Okay, bye.